title of my sermon today is Wash My Feet. I have not worn shoes today. You cannot pick it up on the camera. There we go. Get a little good action there, a little Jack Black style. I have got a scripture about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. Now, before we begin, I have a bucket filled with water. I have bare feet that I use to walk to the car um, in the parking lot in my own home. And when I got here, I also did the same. And uh, my feet are a little dirty. Does anyone want to help me wash my feet? I'll put them in the water. I just need somebody to, to come by, scrub my feet. The bottoms of them are pretty black right now. I got a couple of cuts and scrapes. Um, right now, if my wife is watching, even from home, she is dry heaving because she hates my feet with a passion. Every time we watch The Lord of the Rings, they show the hobbit's feet, and she's like, look, look, they copied your feet, babe. And it, it never gets old. Um, sometimes in bed, I'll take my socks off, and I'll put my feet on her, and she'll say, get those talons off of me. So does anybody want to wash my talons today? I'll take any offers. No, I don't have a rag right now. It just had to be barehanded. Um, so I have got this bucket, and I'm going to get my feet a little wet. And I'm just going to show you guys a little something here. I haven't really done much today. I just walked once. The water's a little, little more brown than it should be. It's not drinkable anymore. You certainly couldn't use it for anything. And I have not taken the journey that the disciples took before this scripture. There was a long travel before we get to this point. In the desert, there's dust and dirt, probably animal products and byproducts all over their feet. And Jesus begins to wash the disciples' feet in John 13, 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to them, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am do doing, but you will later understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightfully so, for that is what I am. 
Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. Larry had the right idea. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This message and this passage is not literally about the washing of feet. That is a, a metaphor for so many things. And one thing that I find metaphorically in that message is that we are all servants to God and thus to one another. Think about how often we talk about serving God. It is the core principle of who we are as Christians and who we are as people, and we attach it to everything that we do in life. We are servants of the Most High King. I've ended almost every sermon or used that phrase in almost every sermon I've ever spoke. And despite my youth, I've been doing this for 15 years now, so that's quite a few. But we often forget that we must serve one another as well. And in serving one another, we are serving the Most High King. Jesus did not let his filth, did not let their filth or his own deserved leadership stop him from serving. Like I said earlier, they were filthy. They had had their baths, but their feet, their feet needed washing. And he was their leader, and rightfully so. But he did not let that stop him from doing what he knew needed to be done. I find something in this scripture, and I try to use this to inform my life so often because the truth is, this is one of the last great teaching moments to his disciples before Jesus' time on earth came to an end. I don't think that that's an accident. I find nothing that Christ did is an accident. So it must have been intentional how important it was to get this message across to wash one another's feet. Something to note is that no one asked to have their feet washed, but Jesus knew the needs of his people. You might run into somebody who has a need that they don't even know about or that they won't say. Oftentimes, people will be in dire need and they will not speak their need. They will not say, hey, I need prayer. I need a visitation. I need somebody to come sit with me for a little bit. I'm going to the hospital. I need somebody to be there to hold my hand. I'm having financial troubles and difficulties. I'm having relationship problems. People will hold on to their problems, especially now in this generation, in this day and age. People will hide their issues from one another to make their lives seem as good as possible. It's something that social media has plagued us with where people post only the greatest parts of their life and you can only really see the mask that they put on. You don't really get to see the true needs of people on that website. And, and now that's bled into who they are as real people. They don't let you see beyond their mask. But you, just like Jesus, are called to know the needs of those people, to be close in proximity to them, to love them so much that you know what they need without having to be told. And even when they're trying to hide their needs, they may be taking their dirty feet and putting them under their legs, under their other leg, and they might be able to sit on their foot so you don't know it's dirty. They're trying to hide it, but you should know, we took a journey together, and I didn't see them wash their feet. You should know, I have watched them time and time again tell us that they haven't been able to get back to work. They probably need financial help. 
they're probably not feeling well. Maybe they're mentally not feeling well. Maybe they're not feeling stable right now. We should know that. Because we should be so close to loving one another and loving one another so closely that we can see each other's needs. The feet are merely a metaphor for service to others. This could have been anything. The feet are only relevant historically because of the, the nature of the shoes that they wear. That's the only reason. The, the geographical troubles and the historical troubles are the only reason feet are the chosen method. Then there are some people out there who believe that feet washing is a, a genuine part of faith. And if that's something you attach to your genuine faith, that's fine on you. That's good. But I'm here to tell you today that don't miss the bigger metaphor of just serving someone else. Jesus is the greatest leader of all. We have not had a better example. We have not had a better leader. We still continue to have him as a leader today. There has been no better minister, no better pastor, no better teacher than the Father's Son, Jesus. The Son of Man is the greatest leader. But also in this moment, he proved that he is the greatest servant of all. And we are to emulate him. By serving others. He served us by dying for us. He even served his closest friends by washing their feet. The leader, the king of that group. I challenge you today to find a video of, of Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan or LeBron James going into the locker room and massaging everybody's shoulders and arms because they're tired after the game. You will not find it because that's not their role. They're the leader. There's someone else who's supposed to be doing that. That's not the way it works in the kingdom, though. The kingdom's Jordan. The kingdom's LeBron. The kingdom's Kobe Bryant. He got down on his knees and wash the feet of those we would deem not worthy of that that's why the disciples were so alarmed no you mustn't wash my feet not you your hands are too good to touch my feet but the lord knew that there was a need and it needed to be met and when no one was meeting it he knew what must be done because the kingdom's needs matter more jesus even knew one of his disciples was going to betray him I find no mention of that disciple not getting his feet washed. Jesus served someone he knew was going to wrong him. And you might be called to serve somebody who you know has wronged you, who you know will continue to wrong you. That is not the point. What they do with the blessing you give them is on them. But if you do not give them a blessing because of what you think they might do with it, that's on you. Just like Jesus, we must look at everyone who is in close proximity to us and fulfill their needs for them. You know, the other disciples were arguing beforehand about who was the best disciple. They were arguing about their positioning. They were grandstanding and hot-dogging about who was the true leader, the best disciple. And then the truest leader of all of them came down and did a job one of them should have done. And he did it for every single one of them. Another lesson I see in this message today is that lessons can be taught, but examples are so much more powerful. Jesus could have said, well, I can wash your feet for you. 
He could have said, someone must wash all of our feet. I guess I can do it. He could have announced it. He could have talked about the fact that no one was washing each other's feet, that they all knew they had a mutual need and no one was meeting it. He could have preached them. He could have talked at them. But he didn't just preach at them. He showed them with his actions. And that was so much more powerful. Because words can change minds, but our example changes lives. How often have you gotten advice from somebody who, say financial advice from a coworker who's got the same amount of money in the bank as you and they're telling you how to make more money? And you're thinking to yourself, you're just saying words. You have no substantial proof that this works. Or you have somebody telling you how to fix a relationship and they haven't fixed their own. Or you have somebody telling you who's an addict how to stop being an addict and you're telling them and they're just saying words to you and it doesn't matter. It doesn't reach your heart because you know it's just coming out of their lips and there's no truth to it. But there is truth in action and the truth of action can never be denied. They could have argued the words of Christ. Now I bet you they wouldn't. But they could not argue his example. He quietly stood up and washed their feet. He didn't give them a chance to argue. Because he knew, he knew how important that task was. But he also knew how important it was to show them things must be done and not talked about. And I need people to know, if words can be said, you can live them. When you're passing out advice to other people, ask yourself, have I done this myself? Have I heeded my own advice? Or am I passing advice that I haven't followed myself? Have I lived the words that I'm offering to these people? Have I lived the good example of a marriage in front of those who are struggling with their own marriage? Have I, as a man, showed someone how to be a good father and a good husband and a good godly man? Have I showed them those things or am I merely telling them how to do those things? It's important as Christians and as friends, as people, as humans, that when we give advice, we search internally and ask ourselves, have we showed an example? And the reason I say that is because the words will get the cogs going, but those gears won't amount to much when they look at your life and they'll say, well, he's not doing it. She's not doing it. They're just telling me stuff. And that, again, gets back to the fact that words are powerful, but examples are so much more powerful. I love the words of Jesus in the Bible. I love them. But I'll tell you, my life has been ever more changed by his actions of dying on the cross for me than any words I've read from him have ever done for me. The Bible is powerful. I'm talking about the most powerful words of all. And even the words written and spoke by Christ can't amount to what he did for me. You're not too good to live an example for anyone. There may be people out there who you don't want to live an example for. Or you don't want to show the way. Christ wasn't too good. You're not too good. And before preaching at anyone, again, remind yourself to ask, have I lived the words my lips are speaking? And in order to show people an example, you have to live with them, by them, and for them. 
That's how people will know it's genuine. Pastor, Pastor Kane isn't here today. But I would argue Pastor Kane is one of the most genuine human beings on the planet. Because every word he's ever given me in advice, and every sermon I've heard him speak up here on this stage, everyone I've also watched him live. And he is a great man, and he's said great messages. But the most powerful ministry of all from Pastor Kane is his life, a constant, unyielding reminder of good, godly manhood. And he had to be near me for me to pick that up. He had to be by me for me to pick that up. And at times, while I was going off and wild in the world, I'm sure he knew it because he talks about being young and wild himself, so I know he, he knows the signs. He just continued to show me love and examples. And that worked for me, and I, I consider him to be such a, a great influence on my life just because of what I've been able to watch him do. Not anything he's ever said to me. All those things have mattered, but no, they, I would lose every word he said if I could just continue to watch him live. Because that has been the best example. And you have to have people around you in order to, to show them the way. We've got, we got to stop burning bridges. We've got to stop telling people to get out of our life. We've got to stop shooing people away because they can't watch an example of you from a telescope. They don't need to get their binoculars to see your good example. They should be right there close to you yes they'll hurt you they'll make mistakes and guess what you're somebody else's person that they want to burn the bridge for none of us are better than one another so we all can look at our lives and say i know that somebody is accepting me when they don't want to so accept other people when you may not want to accept them and just let them in and love them and, and show them the way. You cannot live an example for someone who's not there to see it. People who can't cross a, bit, a bridge you've burned will never see the example you're setting for them. They'll only see the fires that you stoked. And how horrible would it be to know that You've got your life on track, and you're living the right way, and if people would just watch you, they may be able to see. I try so hard to be a good example for, for my friends and my family, on, uh, especially young men, on how to deal with mental health issues. And no, I'm not doing it perfectly, but I'm being open, and I'm talking about it, and I, I'm being realistic, and I'm trying my best to, to break the chains that men just got to hush up and deal with it because it's not working for me. And I know it's not working for a lot of other people out there, but it would be so horrible for me to know that there's somebody that needed that. There's somebody in my life who, who's struggling with their mental health. There's some young man out there who won't talk about what's going on in his life, who won't talk about the mental anguish, who won't talk about the problems, who won't consider therapy, who won't even open up to their wife. There's some young man who's damaging himself and thus damaging his family and ruining relationships. And I could be a good example to him. It would suck to know that they won't see that example because I burned a bridge with them that they may have even tried to get to me. They may have even tried to stoke the fires and, and flam them away and wipe them away like I need to get to. I'm seeing a good example, but I can't really see it all the way. I, I can see part of your example, but there's these flames in the way. And it would suck to know that I let those fires get in the way of showing someone how to live a better life. 
It would also suck to be on the other side of that. So please, let's not burn more bridges. Let's continue to be better examples for those who are in need. Because every one of us has watched someone else for an example. And we've all gotten to where we are in life by watching someone. It's our opportunity to be that someone today. And the last thing I notice here, and possibly the most important, is you got to check your pride. Up until that point, the disciples, in their eyes, had served Jesus. They had been constantly in service to God and constantly in service to Jesus in complete awe of what he was able to do, just watching the master at work. And they have been just the audience and just been able to grab and, and get a hold of things. And when Jesus says run, they go. And when he says jump, they don't say how high, they just jump as high as they can. But it was right for Jesus to have that position with them. It was also right for Jesus to serve them in that moment. The kingdom is always the most important. Always. It doesn't matter what needs to be done, where it needs to be done, or who should have done it. If there is a need, no one is too great. No one is too qualified. No one is too powerful to do anything for the kingdom. Somewhere there is a pastor of a million people. If the church's toilets are clogged and no one's unclogging them, he may need to get a plunger. He may need to get out there. There's a, a, a lead pastor somewhere whose youth pastor is out and is sick and He's not speaking today because they have a guest speaker. Maybe he would like to, to watch the guest speaker, but perhaps he should be in the back with the youth group so they're not missing out on the word. No one is too big for any role in the kingdom. If Jesus can wash feet, what are you too good for? If the most high, most clean of all can get down and wash 24 dirty feet. What in the world are we complaining about when we have an opportunity to serve? Jesus saw a need as an opportunity, not only to live an example, but to just do something for the kingdom that needed to be done. Even in the last and final moments when he knew his death was imminent, when his biggest service of all was about to happen, Moments before the greatest act that has ever occurred in human history, moments before that process began, the greatest of all got to his knees and washed the feet of normal people. Normal people. Yeah, they were disciples, but they're no different than you and I. They were normal people. And he, he just, he, he took what could have been a moment to let things go and prepare himself for the biggest task of all. But he saw a need, and it wasn't too small for him to take his time, to take his glory and wash their feet. Something true about the kingdom of God that's not true of the world is how greatness is applied. We talk about greatness in sport, and people argue who's the best quarterback, and they bring all these stats, or we talk about 
who's the most wealthy and they bring all these bank accounts and we talk about who's the best singer and people talk about notes and pitches and we talk about the greatest movie and people talk about the directing, the writing, the filmography of it all. They, they look at every aspect and they say, well, I think based on merit that maybe Robert De Niro is the best actor of all time or maybe John Wayne is the best actor or maybe Leonardo DiCaprio or maybe Mariah Carey is the greatest Christmas music singer of all time or maybe Whitney Houston is just the greatest female singer in history or maybe ACDC is the best rock band of all time. People go through all these arguments and they bring all these points because that matters and the greatness is stacked up and they can stand on top of achievement and you can look and you can say, well, look at how good, this is why he's the king of pop. Look at what he's done with his career. And look at how entertaining Michael Jackson is. And no one can dance and sing and, and entertain and direct and write like him. And he gets all the way up to the top based on all of these things he's achieved. Greatness in the kingdom doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Greatness in the kingdom doesn't come from standing high on achievement, but rather being willing to lower yourself for the lowest task of all. One of the greatest things Christ ever did is show us an example of how hubris can harm us. His hubris could have made him not give that example. And then we wouldn't have the example to serve one another. And then Larry and Beth and, and Brother Buddy and Bonnie and and. and, and Everybody in this church today, and Brian, and, and Papa, and my mom and dad who are not here, and Tanisha who's not here with me, we would all just be living for ourselves, not serving one another. We could have missed one of the best lessons of all if Christ hadn't lived it for us. And over and over again, the Bible talks about the, the small will become grand, and those willing to be small will become grand. If you want to achieve greatness for the kingdom, lower yourself. Lower yourself and find whatever task you can find and do it for him. You can go pray for somebody. You can send out cards. You can speak messages. You can go to other churches and sing. You can write music. You could even just hold somebody's hand while they're crying. Give a good word. Live a good life in front of somebody. There is no task too small. Every church in the world is built off of the backs of people doing little things to make a big thing happen. For years, we were at the Scout Center, and people would come early, and we would take chairs, we'd put them away, we'd organize the tables the way we should have them, we'd set up all the cores and run every little thing we could. It was an hour and a half of setup almost, where we had to just work, 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 work. But I tell you, it was one of the most important parts of our church's history because we got to live serving with one another. We served each other. When, when Matt was done with his task and he saw that Jonathan was still in need, he asked Jonathan if he needed anything from him. And when Jonathan and Matt were both done, they came up and they found me and asked if I needed help. And then when I was done, we asked Pastor Avery if he was done. And we all just pitched in and we had a true example where we were washing each other's feet metaphorically. We were living for one another, dying for one another almost. Matt has a broken toe because of that service. I'm sure he's chuckling away at, the, at, the, at his home watching this, but Matt sacrificed a foot for that. Some of us were sick. There were times where I threw up in the heat, 
and went back in and worked. And that's not to praise myself, but that's just to show you that good churches are built by people doing small things that seem insignificant at the time. And yes, the, the Scout Center, it was nice to come over here and not have to do as much and to have things set up. And at times we missed having the big building and not having to work all that time. But I would never change it in the history of Austin Alive because that is one of the truest times we were a true church in our history. We were working so hard for the kingdom. And I do not envy people who've never worked for the kingdom. We should be willing to serve God in whatever way he sees fit. Whatever the kingdom needs. Whatever the kingdom needs. I spared you today my singing voice. Perhaps I should have done praise and worship. Perhaps I should have sang today. And I could have set my pride aside, my fear aside. And I could have grabbed a mic and sang to you all. And we could have had worship together. And y'all could have lowered your pride and just listened to me sing. And the people on Facebook would continue to, to watch instead of scrolling by as I miss notes. But the truth is, if you can see a need, you can fill that need. Pastor talks all the time about people saying, you know, God, God is showing me this church needs this ministry. And the answer is almost always, well, do you want to start it? And there's a reason for that. Because if Pastor Avery or myself or Pastor Buddy did all of the work in church, we would be robbing people of their opportunity to serve the kingdom. Now, the truth is, there are tasks that we do because no one else has done them. And that's okay. That's fine. That is the, the, the nature of being in service. And, and leaders, I don't have this in my notes, but I know there's some other pastors and other leaders who watch our service from time to time. I want to say this now. Don't get caught complaining to your people about the work you have to do. Don't complain about the fact that you got to drive from further away than anybody else and show up earlier and leave later and you've got to be the one to set up and you've got to run the camera and you've got to set it up and, and you've got to pay the bills and you've got to count everything. Don't get caught up in complaining about your opportunity to wash the feet of your people. Because you are just showing them a missed example. But if you're the type of pastor out there who sees work that needs to be done and gladly does it, and maybe you go home and you feel a little jilted and you're a little upset, like, man, I wish we had somebody to do that. That's okay. But just show your people the example of washing the feet of your church. Where there is a need, it must be met. And I want to close for my people today with this. If Jesus can wash feet, you should be willing to do all things within the kingdom. All things within the kingdom. We often say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we know we must do all things for Christ who strengthens us. Father God in heaven, I ask you today to continue to show us great examples, to reveal yourself in your word and show us what we could do and forgive us for the times that there were feet metaphorically that needed washing and we didn't wash them. Forgive us, God, for missed opportunities for being good examples. 
Forgive us pastors and leaders out there for complaining too much at times when we just have an opportunity to do something for you. We should be hungry for that. We should be dying for any opportunity to do work for you, to do something in your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for a powerful example that before you died on the cross, before you rid the world of the punishment from sin and opened up a new covenant, before you did the greatest thing that's ever happened, you lowered yourself to do something so minuscule as to wash others' feet. I thank you for that powerful example of who I should be, who we as Christians should be. There's a world out there whose feet are filthy. We should be washing their feet, not reminding them how dirty they are. No, God, we should be like your son was. We should grab the water ourselves and help them rid the dirt off of their feet. So thank you, Father God. Thank you for another powerful example of who to be, what to be, and how to be. I ask that this message touch somebody and bless someone. In your precious and holy name I pray. Amen. I love you all. You are dismissed.